Hey, this is Pastor Matt McClure here from Takeover Church, and thank you so much for checking out today's message. We hope it encourages you. We pray it blesses you. We pray it challenges you. And if you don't know, we have service every single Sunday at 10.30 a.m. And we would love for you and yours, your family and your friends to come on out, experience church, be a part of all that God is doing through Takeover Church. But hey, we hope this blesses you. Have a great rest of your day. How are we doing this morning? How good is Jesus? I think he's worthy of a greater applause than that. Come on. You know, it's funny, back at an old location, we had, uh, we had some people that the Lord really loves that um, tested my faith quite a bit. Anyways, and I remember having a conversation with this one gentleman after service one day, and he informed me that he just wished we'd get to it. He's like, I just wish that you guys would spend less time, like, shooting and hollering and all these things, and just get down to the meat of it. Can tell me what I need and all these things. And I was like, it kind of sounds like you want to hear about how bad you are instead of how good he is, and this just ain't that kind of church, amen? Um, so we're going to make some noise for Jesus because he's worthy, because he's good, he is able, and he's alive and active, amen? So it's good. Allison, can you guys just make some noise for our worship team one time? Come on. Legit, if you don't know, allow me to inform you, uh, Pastor Russell, worship pastor here, um, he taught himself how to play keys, okay? That sounded good, but he taught himself how to do that, okay? Um, and his mother needs to calm down. Um, but <laughs> Just kidding, just kidding. Everyone's mom should do that awesome. But he taught himself, and, and there's just so many incredible things happening here, but um, y'all ready for the word this morning? Fantastic. We are in a serious list of series. <laughs> we do so many series, and then I just honestly I felt God telling us, like, let's go serious this for a little bit. I got some seeds that I want to plant that are just going to take root, and our, uh, our church is going to be better for it, and new people are going to be better for it. And I was like, okay, that's uncomfortable for me, but if it means they're going to grow, I'm going to get uncomfortable. So we are preaching a message this morning called Stand Firm. Would you just say, Stand Firm? And would you just tell, tell your neighbor, would you just remind them, tell them to stand firm? Okay, I don't think your neighbors are convinced. Would you tell your neighbor, stand firm? Come on. You all ready for the Bible? Who loves the B-I-B-L-E? Come on. Philippians 1, 27 through 28. It's kind of crazy because... Um, I was praying this week, and I was trying to figure things out. I was trying to get away from this message, okay? I didn't want to preach it. I didn't like it. I was like, Lord, I want to preach on this subject and this thing. And, and he was like, nah, you need to put me in the book of Philippians this week. And I was like, why? Ain't nothing good come out of the book of Philippians. I was kidding, obviously. Uh, and he was like, because I got this message for you. And we're going we're gonna to touch down at a couple points in the book of Philippians. But um, I promise you, this is what God has for us this morning. I think it's going to be really good. So Philippians 1, 27 to if you have a Bible, sweet, you've got a Bible app. Where's my Bible? There's a Bible app people out. Maybe that at me, maybe just do care. A couple of them. All right. So next week, nope, more Bibles. Uh, I'm just kidding. But here it is. One, 27 to 28, be on the Sky Bible back here. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come to see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Somebody say gospel. No, say it like you from the south. Say gospel. Come on. And not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction and also of your salvation. And that is from God. Does that sound good this morning? 
Uh, so we're going to pray and then we're going to get into it. Jesus, I just thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for this church. I thank you for a full house of the 1030. Come on, Lord. And uh, we just thank you for everything you're about to do. We thank you so much that you're doing that you're faithful that every single moment I just was praying and worship God, that you were just showing yourself faithful. There was something happening in this room. There was there was needs and prayer requests that we, we didn't have wrote down or sent in. We just we just know that you are alive and you are active. You are moving in this room. And so I ask that you would continue on with that theme this morning, God. Just be alive and active. And with the sound of my voice, just be moving in people's hearts and in their minds and in their souls this morning. In Jesus' my name, a faithful church. So, Amen. Okay, hold up. I need to... We gotta work on this transition. We got a bigger stage, praise God. Come on. But, uh, you know, I gotta better wet my whistle up here. So, let's talk amongst yourselves, Anthony. But it's good. And uh, the reason I chose this title, Stand Firm, is because... We live in 2019, if you don't know, I love staging the year. Um, it's one of my favorite things to do, simply because I think there are so many things that, um, if you like to watch the old VH1 rewinds, where it was like, oh, the 2000s, the 90s, the 80s, it's all these things. I think you can really mark a lot of what's happening in the world by the year. I think for a lot of us, you could probably look back and be like, wow, I had a wild 2017, I had a wild 2018. Like, you can look back and you mem- your memories are like banked by the year. Is, is this making sense to anybody? And so with it being 2019, and the reason I say that so often is because I want us to look at this year through a focus, through a lens, because it's 2019, and we live in probably the most divided, the most ununited, the most disjointed and disarray view, and it is just falling apart. We live in a city, specifically Grand Rapids right now, that is more divided than it's ever been. There are people who are looking for this, looking for that, standing firm on this, standing firm on that. We have all of these different things happening. I mean, we are divided when it comes to racism, when it comes to sexism, when it comes to classism, when it comes to streets. You can go down Adam Street right up the block by my house, and you can go, you can experience extreme poverty, and then on the other side of the coast of East Grand Rapids, you can experience riches and glory. It's insane. And we are just in a divided city. In this city, you can find people who are barely united on anything. What they are united on, they're not even publicly united on. You might find five people who back your opinion, a thousand people who disagree with you, and ten people who might actually think it could be a good idea, but ain't nobody living it, okay? We live in a divided time, an uncertain time, a shaking time, but yet God, I believe, is calling us specifically the church, not even just take over church, the church of Grand Rapids to stand firm. Does anybody want to stand firm this morning? Because we're just so divided. You can look at the world at large and it's potentially in even greater disarray than even the city that we are called to steward and love and to go towards. It's full of hurt, it's full of brokenness, it's full of confusion. And we got a lot of people who are standing for some things that are actually calling, pa- causing them to fall for a lot of things. You know, there's this phrase, and I'm sure you've heard it, was, uh, has anybody ever um, you've been to like a pep rally? Okay. No? Ain't nobody part of the pep squad? Alright, cool. Nah, you was fine, you weren't there, I get it. You were like, pom-poms, forget that. Okay. But maybe you've heard this phrase, have you heard this quote? If you stand for nothing, you fall for anything. Can you hear this phrase? Now, 
I got beef with this phrase, okay? I got beef with this phrase because here we are as Christians, and we love to use this, okay? You can go to team rallies, you can go to conferences, you can go to churches, and there are people who are putting this in their message, and we're getting hot, we're getting bothered, we're like, if you sin for nothing, he will fall for everything, yeah! Or you come back, and like, you know it too, it's like a it's happening in the background, and I got beef with that. Because for Christians, for Jesus' followers, we're not called to just stand for something. We're not just called to stand for anything. We're called to stand firm on the gospel. It's a dangerous thought when we allow that thought to come into church doors because we can't just stand for anything and fall for nothing. Because I'm here to tell you tonight, or this morning, church, still good to me. I'm going to tell you this morning that there are a lot of well-meaning Christians, a lot of well-meaning Jesus followers, and a lot of well-meaning unbelievers out there who are standing for the things that they think are good, that they think are going to benefit them, they're going to benefit humanity, and all of these things. There's a lot of ideas and notions and situations that people are standing firm on that actually isn't benefiting their life. It's actually causing chaos in the inside of them. It's actually distracting them from the main thing, which is Jesus Christ. And it's taken away from what God is trying to accomplish in and through their lives, through the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the time that we find ourselves in. So what can we do about it? What's the point this morning? The point this morning is that I want to encourage us. I want us to actually, my challenge, if you will, is that we would take inventory of our beliefs, inventory of our thoughts, inventory of our ideas, of the notions that we hold so dear to, of the ideas that motivate us, what motivates us. I want us to take these things this week. I want us to take them. I want to actually sit down, whether it's at crew, whether it's at team night, whether it's at a coffee shop with your friends, by yourself, whatever you're doing. I want you to take inventory all of us of these things that we stand in firm on and I want to see if they measure up to what Jesus Christ did on a cross for us 2,000 plus years ago I want to see if these notions and ideas have the heart of God have God in them, God is for them I want to see if these things that we're actually holding so tightly to because a lot of us out here man there's a lot of things that we're standing for, that we're willing to die for, but those things and those ideas and those notions and those movements, they are not willing to stand for you. They are certainly not willing to die for you. They cannot die for you. But I'm here to tell you, Jesus Christ did die for you. He hung for you. He came for you. Come on. If there's one thing worthy of standing for, it's Him. Because here's the thing. I'm not interested. I have zero interest in leading a church that is interested in movements. I have zero interest in leading a church or being a part of a church that is interested in movements. I'm not going to live. I'm not going to die. I'm not going to plant myself, put my sword in the ground and say, this is what I'm going to stand, live, breathe, dream, and die at for a movement. But what I'm willing to plant my flag at and to die for is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not just a movement of man, but a move of God this morning. Come on, church. Come on. She knows. And so it's my hope and my prayer this morning that we begin to stand firm in the things that God is actually in, that He is actually about, that He actually wants to accomplish in 2019.
And so I look at this passage of Scripture. I look at this passage of Scripture, and I see the Apostle Paul. If you don't know, Apostle Paul used to be the baddest dude, like, of all time, okay? Like, I go through all the time when I preach from Paul. I think a lot of us are caught up. If you don't know, Paul used to be crazy. He used to kill Christians. He was commissioned to do it. Met Jesus. Jesus blinded him. He went on a journey. Jesus takes the blind away. Cool. Now he's Paul. He used to be Saul. Not killing people. Now he's raising people up for Christ. It's a good thing, okay? So here's Paul. He's in the he's, uh, right into the church of Philippi. And he is, if you don't read it, he is chained up. He is jailed. This letter is coming from a time where he is behind bars. Paul don't just have bars. He's literally behind bars, okay? Paul is jailed up. He is shackled. He is locked up. He is in a dirty place, terrible conditions, horrible food. It is in a terrible situation. And yet, he is encouraging the church. The reason this letter, the reason this is in the Bible, the reason that we have this today is because Paul is so wrecked. He is so messed up. He is so so completely just withheld from everything he's called to do. You hear it, he's just like, I long to be with you guys. I can't wait till I get there. Keep me in your prayers. It's hard out here. Come on. And he is just going through it. And yet he starts off this letter. He starts off this letter by saying, Stand firm. And I think there's a revelation on the inside of it. I realized when I was reading this, why God wanted us to come out of, out of Philippians on Sunday because. He is jailed up, he is locked up, he is in terrible condition. He's beaten, he's bruised, he's dirty, he's probably got infection. There's a lot of things going on. And yet his number one concern, his chief concern, it is not his own personal safety. It is not cleaning out his wounds with dirty jail water, okay? It is not taking care of himself in there. It is taking care of the church. It is pleading. It is begging. It is getting the word out to you and I, even all these years later, to let us know that no matter your circumstances, no matter the situation, no matter how bad it appears, you can still stand firm. Amen. Is helping anybody? Staying firm. His terrible, terrible conditions. And his only concern is the church, is you and me. The people back then, yes, but this book was made for you and me. He is calling us to stand firm. It's the funny thing about standing firm. It's a funny thing. It's a funny thing. Standing firm is probably one of the most uncomfortable things you can do. Standing firm is probably one of the most dangerous things you can do. Standing firm is probably one of those things that get you called out. Because can I tell you this morning that in 2019, somewhat, a lot of the times, more often than not, standing firm for the gospel might look like you're sitting down for what a lot of other people are standing up for. We don't like that. We don't like that. Nah, culture's loud about this. Grand Rapids is loud about this. We're going to Trump rallies, and we're tearing down Trump, and we're talking about the government, and we're going to this rally, and this march, and we're going to these things, and we're standing up for this, and we're standing up for that. But so often, standing firm on the gospel, what God says is best for our lives, is going to look like sitting down while others are standing up. It's going to look like being silent when a lot of the church is trying to get you an opinion to talk about it. Another crazy thing about standing firm is that so often, 
standing firm. And Paul says to stand firm in unity. He says stand firm in unity. Sometimes the church, you and me, church, when I say that, by the way, it isn't just Matt and Israel read passages of Takeover Church. It's not Takeover Church or this idea or this organization. When I say church, I'm talking about the organism, the living organism, you and I collectively. So he says, stand firm in unity of one spirit. We're not, we're not divided on this direction. We're not divided on that direction. Even if it's uncomfortable, even if it's challenging, even if we don't necessarily like it, we come under the unity of the gospel. And the real thing is this. He says, stand firm in unity. Sometimes when you stand firm in unity, it's going to look like you're against some things. Sometimes standing firm in unity looks like we are actually for certain things because we're for this. It's going to take bravery. It's going to take courage. It's going to take you being able to stand firm. The gospel isn't shaky ground. Jesus Christ isn't shaky ground. The Holy Spirit isn't shaky ground. People think he's spooky ground. People are uncertain about him, but he is a powerful, firm foundation. Amen? And so, standing firm. Standing firm. Here's Paul and his shackled and his tore up from the floor up, and he was just pleading with the church. He was just saying, church. If he would just stand firm. Philippians is like the only church that he writes to when he's not like constantly reprimanding, by the way. You look at Romans, you look at Galatians, you look at first and second Corinthians, and Paul is just like Spartan kicking people through and rudder and preaching to him when he's coming. And he's like, you're full of hot air. When I get there, though, we're going to see if you're full of anything other than hot air. Like Paul is going hard after some of these other churches, but Philippians, Philippians, you can tell, is near and is dear to his heart. Philippians got it. Philippians is believing for a takeover. Philippi isn't there to play religious games and check a religious checkbox. No, no, no. Philippi, they are there to stand firm in this city, to stand firm on the gospel, to know that Jesus Christ is the only thing that can complete you. The thing about the gospel this morning is this. Can I encourage you this morning that the gospel is Jesus Christ on the cross, but it doesn't stop there. A lot of Christians, we're out here wanting to stand firm on these things, but we think we're just standing firm for Jesus. No, 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 you got to stand firm for all the things that come to Jesus. And it's better than you think it is. I think when I say these things right now, there's a lot of opinions that have been formed in the room, and I'm not even going to address any of those because I simply don't care. We're going to talk about the gospel, not, not our opinion of the gospel, okay? We're talking about the gospel. And some of us this morning, we got to know that our gospel isn't simply just Jesus on the cross, but when Jesus went to the cross, there's your restoration. There's your redemption. There's your, can I say this to somebody? This is your completion. There's a lot of people out here, the reason we seem like we're on shaky ground, the reason we go from relationship to relationship, bed to bed, nap session to nap session, all of these things, where we get, uh, what, horizontal with somebody, we shouldn't be getting horizontal with, we go person to person, place to thing, substance to substance, addiction to addiction, drug to drug, all of these things, the reason we go back and forth because we are looking for something to complete us, and we have no idea that the gospel of Jesus Christ is our completion. 
Some of us have been looking for somebody of flesh and bone to complete us. I'm here to tell you this morning, Jesus Christ is your completion. Can I tell you something else about the gospel? The gospel is awesome. The gospel is a weapon. The gospel, maybe you don't know this this morning, the gospel is fully loaded. It comes lock, stock, with two smoking bears called provision and your healing. I don't know if you knew that, but he's more than just a God that we worship on Sunday. He's our provision for Monday. He's our provision for Friday. He's our healing for the breakup. He's our healing for the brokenness. He's our healing for the depression. He is our healing. The gospel, I said it was, I don't got a good reaction, is lock, stock, with two smoking bears called healing and provision, and that's for you today, amen? He's our completion. He's our healing. He's our redemption. He is our provision. We're not a prosperity church, okay? Have you mentioned money a couple times? Yeah, God wants to be involved in finances. He wants to be involved in every area of your life. It's called takeover because he wants to take over your life, okay? He's not Lord of your finances. He's not Lord of all of your life, okay? That's really hard for somebody here. We're not a prosperity church. We're not even a signs and wonder church. We're not a glory cloud full of dust falling from the ceiling kind of church. And I don't have a problem with any of that. I just want to sum those things up for you. It's called the gospel. All of those things are available in the person of Jesus Christ for this church and for your life. And Paul is calling us, he is encouraging us, he is challenging us this morning to stand firm on it. That's the funny thing about standing firm, though. Standing firm is hard. Standing firm will make you the odd man out. Standing firm with your eyeballs on you, and your heads turning towards you, it will get people probably not favoring you that well. You have favor with God when you stand firm, but you may not find yourself in favor of man in certain moments and seasons of your life. When you choose to stand firm on the gospel, we talked about it sort of last week, we're heading in one direction when everything else is going in the opposite direction. It doesn't make sense to the natural world. It's going to be confusing to those people around you. But I can tell you, it's the uncomfortableness of standing firm that brings the freedom and liberation that it promises you. It's in the uncomfortable that you see chains break. It's in the uncomfortable that you see people come back to life. It's in the uncomfortable that you see legs grow and arms be mended and hearts be healed and depression leave somebody's life. It's in the uncomfortable when you step out in faith and choose, I'm going to stand firm on this that you get what you've been praying for, that you see God moves in a mighty way. We're not just saying that because we've had countless years and countless moments where God just came through in this room. We've seen him heal Adrian's arm from attack. We've seen Joe's heart have a black spot on it in an in a, in a, in a MRI on a Sunday and goes in for surgery and it's completely gone on a Monday morning. That's not, that's not show religion. That's not faith. That's not a fallacy. That is something that we have seen and experienced the goodness of God because this church chooses to stand firm. And again, that church that I'm saying isn't just me. and It's not just Adrian. It's every single one of us. This organism has chose to stand firm. And I'm believing for a church that will stand firm because i got to tell you, i got to tell you, I'm not interested in a church that's just about movements. It's not about just marching for this, voting this way, voting that way, making it all about this, we're all about that. I'm not interested in a church that's about movements. I'm interested in being a church that's a part of a move of God. Why? 
because there is no movement that Paul could be so convinced of, fully persuaded of, that you could be in jail. Make this personal for yourselves. If you are locked up, most jails are actually septic tanks, just so you know. There'd be buildings on top of it where it would be the septic below, and that's where they would chain you up. So chances are, there's nothing but dookie and poop around you. And so he's in the most undesirable, that's funny, right? It's in the most undesirable situation that you could be. The smell is terrible. It's getting you to cut. It's terrible. It's the worst experience possible to be jailed up. And here's Paul. He's not standing for a movement to end classism. He's not, he's not standing for a movement to end racism. He's standing for the gospel because the gospel is the great equalizer of all people. It's the thing that erases classism. There's no classism in heaven. It's the thing that erases racism because racism comes from sin. It's a systematic issue and God wants to tear that thing down from the heart out. Amen. He's standing firm on the gospel. Yeah. There it is. He's standing firm on the gospel. It's the only thing that makes this thing worth it. Could you imagine for a second? Could you imagine a church? We're going into 2020. We started working on it now. A church in 2020. Take over church. Here's the transformation center. Maybe Grand Rapids is divided. Maybe there's a lot of this and a lot of that. And maybe they're going all these different directions. For us, we're going to stand firm on the gospel. Could you imagine in 2020 a gospel church that we decided we're not going to live every single day? We're not going to spend, here we go, 2020, what is that? Election year. I don't think you do now. Election year. Election year. Could you imagine? And this really isn't about politics. This is a heart check for a lot of us. This is our soul check morning, okay? We're going to figure out where our spirit is at. We're going to figure out where we're from and planted at. And right now, we are so chaotic and we are so divided and we are spending right and left and middle and we're just devouring each other. Humanity is cannibalizing one another over politics and the church has gotten in the game. The church has a dog in that dog fight, and it makes zero sense. Why are we out here cannibalizing one another, cannibalizing non-believers, people on Facebook that we don't even know their background, their situation, what their life has led them to, where they're at with Jesus, and we're fighting, and we're discontent, and we spent four years doing that. We spent four years divided as a church. Because we're choosing to stand firm on a political party instead of a gospel party. That's uncomfortable to hear. We don't like that. We don't like that. A lot of us, we believe in a social justice gospel. A lot of us, we believe in a conservative gospel. A lot of us, we believe in a liberal gospel. There is none of those things. It's just simply the gospel, okay? But I want you to imagine, I want you to make this personal for a second. Okay? We've had some crazy things happen in our country. For the last four years, okay? Whoever's fault that is, a war is not against flesh and blood. It's against the principalities and darkness of this world, okay? And Paul tells us, don't be frightened, because all of your opposition, they know it's a sign of your salvation that you're standing on the gospel, okay? You don't got to be frightened. You don't got to be scared. You don't got to be scared in this world. In a dying and, and a dying and scared world, what they need is a united church, okay? A united church is fearless and alive, because the gospel makes us fearless and alive, Amen? 
something you need to write that down. Tomorrow morning, you're going to go in for a meeting. Tomorrow morning, you're going to have a terrible conversation. Wednesday, something's going to happen to you. And guess what? You need to know. It is the gospel that you can firmly stand on that makes you both fearless and alive. You feel dead. You feel defeated. You feel scared. When you're planted on the gospel, it makes you fearless and alive. Come on. Because you imagine... Could you imagine what your life would look like? Could you imagine the breakthrough you would experience, the healing that you would experience, the friend or the neighbor that would come to know Jesus, that would come to church finally, the people you would pull out of drug addiction if you chose to stand firm for four years? A lot of us, we stand firm, we stand firm for four years divided by Facebook. We're fighting on Twitter. We're running abroad. We got Fox News and C-SPAN and, and CNN and every other thing running. We're watching YouTube stars talk about politics and all of these things. And we're out here fighting for a public opinion. Can I tell you, God doesn't care about a public opinion. He cares about private seeking. Some of you need to get that revelation this morning because here it is. How you seek in private determines how you stand in the public. Could you imagine, could you imagine for a second if you just decided, you know what, this battle I'm facing, instead of just giving into it, instead of just giving back into the alcoholism, it's been one day. What did you do that day? How much time did you spend gathering information on politics and gathering information on this and putting up for all of these useful or uh, not useless and futile things? We could have been standing firm. Check it four years. A lot of us, we don't even want to stay in a marriage for four years, but we're willing to fight for a political party for four years? We're willing to engage our neighbor and cannibalize them and tear them down and put a smear campaign against a guy in a building who's unperfect, who serves an unperfect government, who serves an unperfect uh, country, where we're expecting perfectionism from them? What would your marriage look like if you decided you were as committed to your spouse as you are to your political party? As committed to gathering information about what makes your spouse feel awesome as you are about gathering information about whatever the left or the right is doing. What would our city look like? What would Takeover Church look like if you just got busy stewarding the relationships you have, being a priority in the sphere around you? When we talk about the world, yes, I mean the global world, that's awesome, but when I say the world, I'm talking about your direct sphere of influence, your globe around you, what you interact with, what would it look like? If you were committed to that for four years, for four years, every single person who votes has something on the left or the right, whether you're out, middle, that you disagree with, but you still remain in that party, you still remain on that side. What if there's people in your life who you disagreed with their actions and their behavior and the things that they have going on in their life, but just because you disagreed with it, that didn't ruin your commitment to them for four years? What would that look like? Who would come to know Jesus like somebody comes to come into the, into the White House or comes into uh, some sort of government position because you decided to march for that for four years? What would it look like? What would somebody's life look like if you stayed committed amidst disagreements, amidst behavior, amidst gossip, as you got offline? Because you actually interacted with your neighbor, you interacted with the people that you work and you interacted with the people around you that you could actually directly talk to, what would that look like? I'm preaching to anybody. 
I want to encourage you this week. What are you seeking in private? What you seek in private will determine how you stand in the public. If all you're doing is gathering information on this and information on that, whether it's political parties or not, I spend most of my time truly looking at Marvin Moose. It's ridiculous. I'm a man child. Spider-Man's back in the MCU. Woo! Yeah, praise God. Who am I not talking to right now that probably needs help? Am I, am I, am I ignoring my wife right now because I'd rather be on Twitter? That's a very real struggle for me. I will be on my phone all of the time reading professional wrestling news, MMA news, and comic book news, and my AGN is right there just wishing for some of my attention. What would it look like? What would our marriage look like? It's just for an evening for four hours if I was committed. If I stood firm in my marriage. It's a very real battle. You just got to avoid and look into our life. What would it look like? I want to encourage you to stand firm. Is this helping anybody tonight? Is this helping anybody this morning? Do you believe that God is so good, that he is so gracious, that he has you, that he's called you, that he hung on a tree for you, and he rose again for you, and he gave you the Holy Spirit, and God created this place called Grand Rapids for you, so that you can stand firm? Can I read one piece of scripture to you? of their destruction and of your salvation and that is from God. Standing firm is scary. Standing firm will make you the odd man or the odd woman now. Standing firm it's not a popularity contest. It's an obedience thing. It's an obedience to Christ. When you live in obedience to Christ, that's when you start to see the favor of God on your life. That's when you begin to see the favor of God in your marriage and in your finances and in your public ministry and in your influence. That's out of obedience, but you won't win any popularity contests. Back when Adrian and I were the social pastors at a great church, we led the youth ministry as well, and we talked about that all the time with our youth students. But the gospel won't win a popularity contest, but it will, it will win some souls from one side to the other side. Check the scoreboard, it matters. Public shaming will happen, embarrassment will come, but fear has been a prime motivator for the church for far too long. When Paul is telling the church in Philippi, the one that he doesn't have to correct very much, all he has to do is encourage them, keep standing firm. You don't got to be frightened by the opposition. The enemy, demons, the demonic principalities of the dark, things that we don't see, the world going on around us, those things, when you stand firm on the gospel, they're scared. 
You don't have to be frightened. You don't have to live in worry. You don't have to live in anxiety. You don't have to worry and let the devil mess with your family, be in your brain, which is his favorite playground. The second he can get in there, he's going to be hanging on your monkey bars and he wants to mess you up. But you don't have to let him. Because you get to stay in firm. And when you do, it lets your enemy know. It lets your enemy know of his fate, of where he's going. The devil can really love this, don't we? The devil wants to come and tell you about your past. You can remind him of your future. Let me tell you this. You remind him of his future every time you choose to stand firm on the gospel. So, fast forward the end of the book of Philippians. We're a book study, okay? We're a book study. It's good. Fast forward to the end of it. Paul is finishing up his letter. It's been awesome. It's full of good things. He's just so encouraging. He's letting them know what they're doing right, how many battles they're winning, all these things that are going. And he's loving them. Before is where we see a lot of significant promises of Godhead. It's where we see them written down, when we see the church begin to take hold of them. Philippians 4.13, it says this. Y'all ready? Don't worry, it's up in the big screen. It's from the Bible. It says, I can do all things through God who strengthens me. Right? We love that one. We love the one. I can do all things. Somebody say, all things. Through Christ who gives me strength. Come on. 419. Here we go. Who else? We love this one. This is just a couple. It's littered with them. God is just generously pouring out promises in this book, okay? 419, he says this. And my God will supply every need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Amen. Oh, who loves that? Who needs that promise? If you need that promise this morning, let me know. Let me tell you. That God will supply every single need according to his riches and glory that you need. He will. Everything you need. Maybe not everything you want. But he will supply all of his needs. Because our God, he is not a liar. He is not a man that he should lie. Our Bible says our God is faithful. It says he that started a good work in you is faithful to complete. Amen. Some of us need to know this morning that Jesus is under no obligation to finish what you and I choose to start outside of the will of God. God, bring this to marriage. Bring this to this. Bring this relationship here. Give me up to this level of work. This, all these things that we try to start. Jesus is under no obligation to finish those things that we started. But the good that he started in you and in your life and through your life, that you can stand sure on because he is faithful to complete it. Amen? It's the reason I bring up this book. It's because right here at the end of this chapter, he's laying out all of these promises. All of these promises. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. He's going to supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. There's tons more. He's talking about how great our God is. He's saying this is what he's going to do for you. But the first sentence is this. You ready? Philippians 4.1. He says, Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown. That's what we know it's his favorite church. That's what we know it's my favorite church. I'm going to start calling you guys my joy and my crown. My, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown. Stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. We're just going to make it way back up here. I don't think it's just some random coincidence. I don't think it was just some shot in the dark. I don't think it was just these random things that happened. that caused for this to be the first sentence of a chapter that is just so littered with God being generous with his promises towards the church, the good news towards the church. 
for me. I read this and I see God with a grin in his face because he has got an awesome sense of humor, our God does, and he lines these things up. Because it's incredibly clear to me in this passage that his chief concern, his chief concern isn't giving you strength. His chief concern is not supplying all of your needs. It's not healing your body. It's not restoring your marriage. It's not any classism and racism and sexism. None of those things are God's chief concern. All of the promises that he gives out, I'll make you the head, not the tail. You are above, not beneath. I will supply all of your needs according to my wishy glory. Christ Jesus, give that I shall be given on you, pressed out, shaped together, running over, poured back on you. All of these promises that we stand on. Ephesians 3.20, my favorite verse in the Bible. My God is able to do exceedingly above all I can ask, dream, or imagine. Still not a chief concern. I read the words of Paul here. And before he gets to all of the significant landmark promises in life, he says, Stand firm in the Lord. My friends, my family, my joy, my crown, my beloved, stand firm. Standing firm on the gospel, it proceeds the promises of God. Standing firm on the gospel in your life is followed by the promises of God. You want to see the promises of God arrive in your life? You want to see them move? You want to see them move in your marriage, move in your legal troubles, move in your situation? You want to see them move in your children's lives? You want to see them move in Grand Rapids? The promises of God, they're not made alive, they're not made evident, they're not released from heaven into your life. By standing firm on this, and standing firm on that, and bickering with them, and causing division here, no, 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 no. Breakthrough comes when you decide to have unity. We're not going to bicker. We're going to have unity. We're not going to cause division. We're going to cause breakthrough. When we begin to stand firm on the gospel, because you guys should stand up as we get ready to close. As we get ready to sing this song, I just want to encourage you this morning. I just want to encourage you this morning. with what's going on in your marriage, if you feel like maybe you can't even make it through one more day, you don't have, not even faith, you don't have the conviction to stay on this earth. I want to encourage you to stand firm. Our foundation, 
the first stone that was laid was Jesus Christ, the cornerstone. This is sure footing. This is sure footing that you can plant your feet on, you can fight your battles from. For some of us, there's been some things that we've been standing on that aren't even worthy to hold up the church, aren't even worthy to hold up your marriage, to hold up your personal life. We've been fighting to see, to see something move and shift in our life and the foundation that we're standing on isn't even worthy of handing up, holding up the structure that is a son or a daughter or a pillar of faith in this city. And so if you're in here tonight, as you need faith in the name, I want to encourage you to stand firm. If the devil can get you to stand for anything, he can get you to fall for everything. Stand firm on the gospel. You are enough. I don't want to serve a church or lead a church or be a part of a church that is wasting time, is wasting money, is wasting mind space, and is wasting heart. A lot of us, we've been fighting battles, and we're wasting a lot of heart on it. We're wasting a lot of heart on it. The battles you're fighting from the foundations you're standing on, they can't hold you up, they can't prop you, they can't complete you the way the gospel can, and you're just weary, you're heavy burden. It's been hard for you, and you're losing heart. But Jesus says, take heart, I have overcome the world. Amen? So as the worship team begins to sing, would you just begin to stand firm, make that your proclamation this morning, 10.30 a.m. We're just going to stand firm. Does that sound good? Can you just make some noise for Jesus if you're going to stand firm?